Well, Exodus 33, 18, Moses up on the mountain with God said, uh, show me your glory. Moses with God says, show me your glory. And God said, I will make all of my goodness pass before you. I wonder if I need to move this down because it's echoing. I'll move it down a little bit. Show me your glory and I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I'll show mercy to whom I'll show mercy. And then verse 21, and the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you will stand upon a rock. There is a place by me. So Moses is saying, show me your glory. And God says, okay. Well, you know, if you do the whole story, he said, I'm going to uh, have my goodness pass before you and I'm going to put you uh, upon a rock. There is a place by me and upon the rock is where I'm going to put you. Of course, the rock is Jesus Christ. Uh, so the only place you can really uh, experience the glory of God is upon the rock of God, which is Jesus Christ. And if you want to experience of the, glo the glory, you've got to experience the sun, right? Jesus Christ Actually, Hebrews chapter th uh, 1, verse 3, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. That's talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the brightness of the glory of God, the express image of his person. So we're talking about the glory, but Jesus is not only the glory of God, he is the brightness of the glory of God. Romans chapter 6 says that Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of God. Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory. Well, well, let's, let's look there, uh, not long, but real quick. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Verse 4. Well, I'm going to start with verse 1 because I, I, don't, I don't like to read the word without real context. It's difficult sometimes. What will we say then? Will we continue to sin that grace may abound? <laughs> God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized, what, into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death and like as Christ raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also, say, me also, and we also. I guess proper English would be I also. Should walk in newness of life. So even as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God, we are to be raised from the dead by the glory of God. Any area in your life that's dead. Any part of your life that's dead. T.L. Osborne used to say, uh, so many people are dead while they live. You get that? They're dead while they live. 
You ever done that? You just, you're living, you're going through the motions, but you feel dead. You're, you're dead on the inside. You're not really living. Everybody say, how's it going? You do the American response, fine, or great, or maybe you do the Christian response, blessed and highly favored, walking in righteousness and empowered to prosper. Well, if you say that long enough, it'll get a hold of you. Because <laughs> that's the truth. But the problem is when you don't live by the truth and you live by what it feels like or you live by what your mind, your amazing, vast mental resources tell you. Well, I don't know. I think about this. I think about that. And we listened to a, a doctor this week, Dr. Avery Jackson. He's a neurosurgeon, and he's in uh, Bishop Keith Butler's church up in Michigan. And just a, just a wonderful lay minister, I guess you'd call him, uh, but he was talking about these, these thoughts that you have when you're a child through different experiences that if you don't like address them really with what the word says is you get a, a, a mental loop going on and it just keeps going and going. It's like a stronghold. And it just keeps going and going and going until you replace it with what the word says. And so um, maybe you've got a mental loop going on. <laughs> <laughs> that you're like stuck in this, this old way of thinking, this death way of thinking. Maybe you're dead while you live. Well, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. So Moses said, said show me your glory. Now, I, I want to look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting with verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, with verse 7. If the, you know what, I'm, I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 through 11. New living. The old way with laws etched in stone led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. You know what that is? What was he talking about? Just say it. Hmm? The glory? He said, the old way with laws etched in stone. What laws were etched in stone? Ten commandments. So imagine Moses is up on the mountain of God, with God. He's up on that mountain in the midst of the glory of God and the presence of God. And in that place, the Bible says that it was the finger of God wrote on the tablets of stone. The law of God. Imagine being there. Did you ever seen uh, Charlton Heston's The Ten Commandments? It was like fire out of the finger of God. <laughs> Etched it in the stone, right? I said that. You know that movie was made in the 50s? Like 1956, I think, or something like that. Anyhow, uh, and so Moses is there, and God writes his word in natural, lifeless stone. And the Holy Spirit's showing Paul a picture of this. And Paul's looking back and he's like, if that was glorious, so glorious that after having been in the presence of God and watched God write in natural stone his words, it was so glorious that Moses' face was shining so bright not just a little bright, not like what this light can do for me, but so bright that they're like, cover it up. 
We can't handle it. That was a reflection of the glory. That wasn't the source of the glory. That was just a reflection of the glory. And so what Paul is saying is, if that was glorious. All right, now let's go to the next part. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. I'm looking for Jeremy because I don't know if you hear that echo, but if you can fix it, it'd be awesome. If not, it's okay. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect what? Far greater glory. So this was like a, a reflection of the glory, but not only was this a reflection, it was a fading reflection. If you ever like, uh, you see this light there, or that light there, or there, that one particularly does it for me. Um, I can do it without closing my eyes. I see like those little dots on that light. When I look away, I see them everywhere. There's dots on your faces. But if I keep looking, like I'm looking at you, it's fading. It's getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. So shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? I don't know what happens in your spirit when you hear that. But I'll tell you what happens in mine. I think of the finger of God writing on tablets of stone and the glory that was there. Immediately I think of the Spirit of God, not on stony tablets, but on fleshy tablets of the heart. That this glory is actually, we're not next to this glory. We're not observing this glory just outwardly but there is a glory that the Spirit of God has put on the inside of every believer. And I think I was reading a commentary, and the commentary said, you know, I'm just going to paraphrase it. But the commentary said, like, imagine the awesomeness of God that he could make our flesh have the ability to contain his very glory. Think about that. Well, you know, we couldn't contain his glory, this human flesh, until what? Where does he live? He doesn't live in our flesh per se. He lives in our spirit. We become one spirit with God. And so the old man could not receive the glory of God on the inside. The old man could not contain. I think the best illustration is in the Old Testament when they had the presence of God was in the Ark of the Covenant and they're bringing the Ark back and Uzzah, the Ark started to slip off and Uzzah did what we consider a good thing as he tried to steady the Ark. And when he tried to steady the Ark, he reached out and touched the Ark and he fell dead. He was not a new creation. Oh, the depths of the wisdom and the knowledge and the glory and the plan of God that, that we would just know even a, a little more of what it means to be a brand new creature. Like the new creature that you become, that I become, when you are born again, can receive this exceeding glory that actually doesn't fade, 
that Moses just looked at the outside, at the words written. And so um, there is such glory in the word. Let, let's continue before I get stuck. <laughs> Verse 9. If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? In fact, the first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. The first, the first glory which we think, we hear the Bible stories and picture it and, you know, Charlton Heston and the producers tried to reproduce, you know. I'll compare with that, it's not even a glory. So how glorious must this be? The overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way which was replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new that remains forever? Hallelujah. All right, well, let's go back to some definitions of the glory. What is the glory? Well, anything you need is in the glory. When the glory shows up, his manifest presence is there. And in that, this is my definition. And in that magnificence, there is a spiritual seeing and knowing to such an extent that you can grab hold because you perceive it. It is revealed to you in the glory. I'm going to read uh, some of William Wilson's and Eastman's and a bunch of people I put together uh, from the dictionary. Glory means heavy. It's, it's something of weight, considerable or respectable, such as wealth, Numbers, commerce, power, wisdom, promotion, superiority, dignity, authority, nobility, splendor, valor, magnificence, extraordinary privileges and advantages. Greatness, excellency or happiness renders a person uh, praiseworthy or commends esteem or veneration. In other words, let me pause while I'm going through some of these because dictionary can be kind of boring sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I like dictionaries, but most people don't. Okay, and so sometimes you get kind of weird. And um, esteem, commends esteem or veneration. In other words, the most highly esteemed uh, thing to you, what do you most highly esteem? Like, this is the most highly esteemed, the most magnificent, the most wealthy, right? If you saw a cloud that was about to burst with lightning, thunder, and let loose, have you ever felt that in the atmosphere? You go outside, and you know it's going to rain, and you can just physically feel like it's going to rain any second right now. It's just going to, the heavens are going to let loose. Well, you would say that cloud is wealthy with moisture, Right? It's, it's, it's going to release that moisture. And so um, we're talking about the glory of God. And Jesus was raised from the dead, Romans 6, by the glory of the Father. The most mighty exertion of the power of God was done by the glory. 
the glory of God. And we're raised by that same power, the glory of God. And, and the glory of God, the Holy Ghost, he quickens your mortal bodies, right? Makes you live. And so um, esteem or veneration, high status to a person, what is valued and abundant, this is the glory. It's a manifestation of power. It's very extensive wealth and possessions. It is impressive. It is a distinction of respect and a mark of honor. So we're talking about, I don't know what the most glorious experience you've ever had was, but we're talking about the glory of God, not just the glory of a man. And we're talking about, when we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about the weighty things of God, the, the heavy stuff of God, the magnificent stuff of God the most glorious part of God. And so we're talking about the glory of God. Well, um, I don't know how many of our services you've been able to have been in this year, but uh, we have uh, entered into a year of the glory of the Lord. And uh, some of these times, haven't they been weighty? Magnificent? Such splendor? Some things that kind of make you go, hmm, Right? You don't necessarily understand it. Well, uh, we were in a meeting, in that January meeting with uh, Pastor Mark Hankins, and uh, he began to speak by the Spirit of the Lord, and one of the things he spoke is, this is the year of the glory of God. And then, uh, you remember we had the missionaries in a few weeks ago, the sixes, which they had uh, some challenges getting over uh, the pond. But... Praise the Lord. How many days? Two days ago or three days ago or they, yesterday maybe? They just got to Budapest. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank God for his grace and his help. And uh, they had some uh, family challenges come up that they had to deal with at the last minute. And, uh, but the Lord uh, took care of them and blessed them. And so they are now over there. But if you remember, Robin said that uh, Brother Kenneth Copeland had prophesied that this is the year of the local church. You remember her saying that? Anybody remember her saying that? Um, which is true. But let me read a little more of that. He said, this is the year of the local church. That's where the glory is going to fall in 2021. In the local churches that are preaching, teaching, and healing and going strong in the word of faith and glorifying God, hallelujah. That's an exact quote. It'll be a year of divine healing, divine health, divine prosperity, divine recovery. Jesus is shouting, recover. <laughs> recovery, recovery of the healing ministry, recovery of health, recovery of prosperity. It's all in there together. It is the time that Brother Hagen talked about. Now, I don't know how many, you know, we traveled with Dad Hagen, and um, I don't know how many of you uh, heard him prophesy uh, about these things. But really, basically, he prophesied that all of the moves of God in the past that we've seen, the healing revival, the Holy Ghost revival, the, uh, all of the revivals that this last great 
outpouring and move of God is all of those combined and multiplied. So I'll just read you a portion of a, of a, of a prophecy from the Lord that he gave and said, and you have not seen yet what you will see in the area of dealing with demons and casting out of demons, exercising authority over demons, and we're about to step into it. Like you'd step through a door into another room, and secondly, says the Spirit of God, you have not seen the revival of divine healing that you're about to see. Oh yes, you saw those that I raised up. You've seen men and women mighty, mightily used of my spirit. I sent them forth as a pilot program to try to train you. But many just looked at them and lifted them up. And some of them were lifted up in pride and the anointing left them. And some became money-minded and lost the anointing. And there will arise a group in this day that's a brand new breed. They'll not be greedy for filthy lucre. I love that King James Version. I don't know why, but anyhow. <laughs> filthy lucre. They'll not be wanting to attract attention to themselves. They could care less whether God uses me. They'd rather God would use you. And God will not just use ministers, he'll use laymen. And there'll be a revival of divine healing such as you have not seen in your entire lifetime or read about or heard about, says the Lord. And a revival of the supernatural, not only of the supernatural and casting out devils, not only supernatural and healing the sick, not only supernatural and speaking with other tongues, but the supernatural in the realm of the seen. Men will see the glory of God. A cloud will hang over certain congregations, even the church building, for days at a time. And everybody that passes by, sinner and saint alike, will say, well, what in the world is that? I've never seen anything like that. Ha, 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 ha. And there will be in other places, there'll uh, be in other places, the fire of the Spirit that will actually become literal. Oh, yes, in the spirit realm, some of us have seen it. In the spirit realm, we've been conscious of the fire of God. But the fire will actually come into manifestation. And there'll be people, sinners as well as saints, that will see the fire all over the heads of people. There'll be people driving down the street or down the highway. And they'll see the fire on top of buildings. And they'll come and say, what does this mean? But you see, the Lord will use signs of his presence to bring people in the last days into the fullness of the Spirit and into full salvation. And signs, signs. What kind of signs? Miraculous things in the realm of the Spirit. And then they'll be manifest in the realm of the physical. And the glory of God will fall and the power of God will be in manifestation. And men and women, too, will even be transported like Philip was found in another place. And great, great, great will be the reward thereof. For the Lord is the same today, same God today as he was yesterday. His power has not diminished. His name is still the same. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, today he can make the iron axe head to float. Today he can divide the river for just two men to cross over to the other side. Today, he can feed 5,000 with a little boy's lunch. Well, you have faith just as a child. That child just knew if I give this to Jesus, he can have whatever he needs. The need will be met. Mm. 
He is the miracle working God. Brag on him, lift him up, draw attention to him. Tell about how great he is. Get up in faith and tell what great things he's going to do. And he'll move and keep his word with you. And many will be astonished. But the greatest miracle of all is that there'll be so many fish caught in the net that the nets can't hold them. There won't be church houses enough to hold the people. Amen. That's just a portion. Praise the Lord. Well, so these days that maybe you've heard prophesied about, maybe you haven't heard prophesied about, uh, but this is the day. It reminds me of when Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, do you remember? He, he went up into the synagogue and he stood up for to read and there was delivered to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel. And he went on and said some other things. And he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. In your ears. And so uh, these are the days of the glory of God. Oh, I don't even have, you know, I use my phone to tell me what time it is. <laughs> these are the days of the glory of God. I'm going to pick up uh, the, the rest of uh, chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, verse 12. Seeing then that we have such hope... We use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded until this day, and until this day the same veil remains untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, uh, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil will be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, some about believers, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending every man, uh, ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light... Of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read that again. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We'll come back to that. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. 
we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Well, you know, I read part of chapter 3 and part of chapter 4. Uh, he didn't write, he didn't write, Paul didn't write, okay, this is going to be chapter 4 now. He just wrote a letter, right? And we divided it to make it easy to find. Like, you, you know where it says that? Like, where does it say that? I don't know. We should, we should divide this up, right? <laughs> and so when he's talking about, verse 6, for God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. He's talking about that glory that is so exceeding in glory that the old glory is not even like glory. Yet that old glory was so much like glory that Moses' physical countenance shone with a heavenly light. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We, uh, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it's written, I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus will raise us also by Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redoubt to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, though our outward man perishes, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, because the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So we have this treasure in earthen vessels. In other words, uh, we have this glory on the inside of us. Why? That the excellency of the power, everyone would know that did not come from you. I mean, even Jesus, his own hometown, he couldn't do many mighty things there. Why? Because of their unbelief. Why? You know, they called him, they didn't call him Jesus Messiah. They called him Jesus of Nazareth. Even the disciples said, before the Spirit of God came upon them and inside of them, looking back, they said, no, no man after the flesh. We used to know Jesus after the flesh, but we don't know him this way anymore. Earthen vessel. The limitations of an earthen vessel. Jesus walking on the earth could be 
one place at one time. Yet God himself is everywhere all the time. Jesus was simply the prototype of a new kind of person or a new kind of being is probably a better way to say it. And when you are born again, you are born into this new breed. We read, uh, I forget the guy's name right now. It's got the letter A in it. In Christ, the book. Uh, anyhow. A.J. Gordon. Thank you. A.J. Gordon. So we read from A.J. Gordon uh, some time recently here. And remember he said, like, this mystery, there's no greater mystery than, like, the incarnation that God could come in flesh. How great is that mystery? And he said, but that's no greater mystery that God could take on humanity and himself become completely human. That man, then that man could take on divinity. And become a little God. G-O-D. You know, that's actually in the New Testament. People think like the word of faith people just came up with that. Word of faith actually just means word of God. If you don't like the word of faith, you don't like the word of God. This is the word of faith which we preach, Paul said. It is the word of faith. It is the word of believing and trusting in God. You know, Romans 3.22, that the righteousness of God would come up, uh, upon all and unto all that believe by the faith of Jesus Christ. So we're simply people that believe that Jesus did everything that is necessary to restore man to his lost position and even to a greater position because now we're going to eat of the tree of life. We're partakers of the divine nature, God's nature. So when we're recreated in Jesus Christ, we're recreated with God's nature. So your nature... You are not a sinner. Trying to do enough good things that God will like you or trust you or work with you. You couldn't do enough good things. Number one, I'm not going to look at anybody. I'll look this way. God is not as shallow as you. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died not for godly people, but ungodly people. God is love. That is just an evidence that you don't know the love of God. Didn't say you don't have the love of God. You don't know the love of God. Why did Paul have to say by the Spirit of God and walk in love? Because you might be tempted, or excuse me, I might be tempted to walk in the lust of my flesh and just be self-centered. But the glory of God, all of the weighty things of God live on the inside of you. 
And if the ministry of condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry of righteousness, of favor with God? So if you want to see the glory, well, we're going to have these, many of these manifestations that actually show up in the physical realm. But if you really want to see the glory, the gospel is the glory of God. Because Jesus is the glory of God and the power of God. And these words are the words of glory. This is what Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is saying in 2 Corinthians four, uh, 3 and 4. So, we, we, you know, back to that little experience and then I'll close. So I had that, uh, some multiple experiences, but that one in particular that I'm sharing with you uh, concerning the glory of God. You just, when he reveals himself to you through his word, it is so wealthy and so magnificent that your little earthen vessel can't contain it. This is why sometimes when you uh, come in contact with the glory of God, you go out in the spirit. Your body can't compute that. That's a power beyond your body's ability. So uh, for me, I, I, I couldn't breathe. Like, it was so glorious, it took my breath away. And there was so much wealth in the revelation that I couldn't find words. Not just like when I was, before I was filled with the Spirit, I couldn't find words. And I'm like, there's more, there's something more, there's something more. Well, I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I was be able, able to uh, express in other tongues the something more, right? No, this is so, so far beyond that. It's like what he was saying, you know, you don't even consider that glory because this is so much more glorious. And so this is so beyond the natural knowledge that you can attain through study apart from the Spirit of God. But this is experienced with the glory. Well, what's the, what's, the, what's the benefit of that? Do you know that changes how you think and how you live and how you act? So this is the year of the glory of God. In the local church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, if God's going to do something, he's going to do it through the local church. There's many uh, gifts, five gifts that Jesus gave offices really when he ascended on high. But all those operate or should be based from the local church. She's not just out here doing something. So it's a good year. So I just encourage every one of us, you can stand, that you just take steps this year to flow with the glory of God. How do you do that? Well, I think Ephesians chapter 1 is about the, one of the best ways to do that. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 15. I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord. 
How many of you have faith in the Lord Jesus? And your love for all the saints, unto all the saints. How many of you love the believers? Cease not. So this is not a one-time prayer. Some prayers are a one-time prayer. The prayer of faith is a one-time prayer. You believe, you receive when you pray. When do you believe? When you pray. When do you believe you receive? When you pray. Well, Paul said, I cease not. This is for people that have faith in the Lord Jesus and love for believers. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ... Listen to this. The Father of glory. (laughs) Isn't that good? (laughs) Carpenter translation says, the Father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives his name. I stir up in my own consciousness the thought of my own father and all the other fathers of happy homes of which I've been a part. And then I multiply it a thousand, no, 10,000 times. And I think of what the name, the Father must mean in heaven. So the Father of glory. So he's the God of glory. But not just the God of glory, he's the Father of glory. In other words, to the believer, you have become a son or a daughter of God. He's not just your God, he is your Father. He'll treat you with the same care, protection, love, believing in you. Not the same, I said that wrong. Similar, like Carpenter was saying. I think of all the happy homes. He didn't say unhappy homes. Maybe he had an unhappy home. Maybe he had an unhappy father. He said the happy homes. And I think of what fatherhood must mean in heaven. So think about that for a second. What would fatherhood, what must it mean in heaven? And he is the father of glory. He is your father of glory. That he would give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What is the riches? Riches denotes like wealth, more than enough, a wonderful things, right? The riches of the glory of the inheritance. Well, you just pray that prayer from your heart and you better uh, buckle your seatbelt. So I've been praying all all year. I I pray this prayer every day pretty much, but I've also added uh, Exodus 33, 18. Lord, show me your glory. And you know something about him? He's faithful. You can't ask the Lord with the right heart and not receive. Ask and you shall receive whatever you need. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Whatever you need, it is in the glory. And the glory is in you. And you can receive. In fact, nobody in this room and nobody that has lived And nobody that will live can get any closer to God than you. 
God, you know, there's that song. <laughs> he knew me, yet he loved me. Paul, through the Holy Spirit, equates our relationship of Christ and the church with a husband and wife relationship. I think one of the most precious parts of marriage is knowing that your husband or wife sees you in the morning, so to speak. <laughs> when everything's not together, they know your faults and failings, yet they love you. Yet they love you. I can't speak for my wife, but I can speak for myself towards my wife. Sometimes when I see her faults and problems and failings where she doesn't measure up, somehow it seems like it makes me love her even more. So I'm like, yeah, I know that, but I love you. That just makes me want to be there for you more. That just makes me want to help you more. Well, if that's my heart, what must God's heart be towards every one of us? We get stuck and trip up and get so conscious sometimes of natural things and inabilities and look at that. And I think he's just looking down at us saying, yeah, but my grace is sufficient for you. It's made perfect or mature in your weakness. That's why I died for you. That's why I sent my son for you. That's not, I love you. My love is greater. Don't look at that. Look at the blood of my son. Look at how righteous that blood is. Look at how powerful that blood is. Look at how pure that blood is. Look at how holy that blood is. And I gave you that blood. Every head but every, every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus Christ, that's the number one step to living in the, in the weightiness of the things of God that all of your needs are met in Christ Jesus. That salvation, that, that not only that you don't have to go to hell, uh, that's wonderful. But you get to live from the life that sustains God himself. He's given it to us by Jesus Christ. Romans in the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm going to invite you in just a minute to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And in making Jesus the Lord of your life, number one, you're making a decision to follow God and to receive his son. You're making a decision not to live for yourself anymore, but you're making a decision that you're going to live for God. You're going to live for Jesus every day. You're saying, I want Jesus to be my Lord. You're saying, I want to be part of the family of God. You're saying, I'm not going to try to make my own way to God. I'm not going to try and be good enough for God to like me. You're saying Jesus was more than enough. And I believe what he did. And I take what he did to myself. I take him and I receive him right now. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a few seconds. And when I do, if you pray that prayer from your heart, it's not a mental thing. This is not like mind science. This is not like reasoning yourself out of guilt and condemnation. No, when you receive Jesus, all of your sins are actually removed from you. 
God no longer sees your sins. He no longer knows your sins. They are wiped out of existence. And you are just as righteous and just as right and just as holy as Jesus himself is. Let's pray this prayer. Say this. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. And that he died on the cross to take away my sins. I receive your forgiveness right now. And I take your son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and as my Savior. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm living for Jesus every day. Thank you that I am now your child now part of your family I've just been made brand new in Jesus name Amen